This is Kramer Financial Talk with Jim Kramer of Kramer Investment Services. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Jim Kramer provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. So listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Kramer Financial Talk with Jim Kramer. Welcome back to another episode of Kramer Financial Talk. My name is Jim Kramer with Kramer Investment Services. If you'd like to learn more information about what we talk about today, for callers in Wisconsin, our Lake Geneva phone number is 262-729-4128. For callers in Illinois, our McHenry office number is 815-331-8096. Or you can visit us on our website, www.kramerinvestments.com services.com. It's spelled K-R-A-M-E-R. While at our website, well, on our website, you can view the last couple of podcasts by clicking the media library and radio tabs. And for subscribers to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can view all of our past podcasts cast episodes. And feel free to give us a call if you'd like to set up a meeting or if you have any questions. We're here to help. So our topic today is going to be new generation financial planning. Uh, So today's world is different than when my parents retired in and around the year 1990. A couple of things have changed and actually a lot has changed, but longevity. People are living a lot longer than they did 30 years ago. There's a lot fewer pensions out there in this country as opposed to when people retired around that year. And then with the advent in the 1990s of 401ks and the volatility and uncertainty that the stock market brings in lieu of pensions that were consistent, a lot more anxiety for retirees and coupled with that with low interest rates, much lower interest rates than 30 years ago. And there's a lot more that goes into the financial planning process than what it used to be. But before we get into our topic today, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It sounds like you've got a great topic lined up. And uh, I know a, a lot of people have a lot of questions about financial planning. In fact, well, I just think we should be building a nest egg. You know, Marge Simpson even is concerned. So uh, I think this is going to be a good one. But I've had a great week, Jim. Thanks for asking. And so good to be here. Uh, seriously, right. I learned something from you. You always bring some great tips and advice. And uh, you were talking to me about the topic beforehand. I was looking over the show notes and I'm excited about this one. Uh, but again, before we jump into that, Jim, I have to ask you, how have you been? Are you keeping busy? What's going on? Yeah, over very there? busy doing financial plans. I actually had to do some work this weekend, which I'm happy to do. Um, but it was a really nice weather weekend. So um, Sunday, I got to spend a lot of it outdoors. Uh, and it was great. I'm, I feel really good. So, um, hey, I'm excited for you, too. You're on, yeah, I know you're going on vacation soon. So, um, yeah, everything is yeah. going well. Yeah, I'm going to be taking a family vacation. That's going to be fun. Uh, Really looking forward to that. That's good. That's always good. Um, All right. So let's jump into this. Uh, 
How do you want to get us started on this topic? Well, first today, thing Dave? is, let's do a stock market update. We haven't done this in a while, Tony. Ah, uh, the market update. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So year to date, the S&P 500 is up over 13%. The Dow Jones is up 16% now, year to date. Uh, the NASDAQ has kind of come back of sorts. It's up 7.5% uh, year to date. And the, the bond market, while it's inching up a little bit, it's still down 2% year to date, which is really in a historic uh, downturn for the bond market. Bond markets typically don't lose a lot of money. And this one, this year so far, it is down. Um, over the past five years, bonds have averaged about 3% per year in the U.S., they're not designed to be high performing compared to the stock market. Uh, but it's really incredible, Tony. The stock market just keeps going up, up, and up. And we're not even halfway through the year yet. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and you know, I, I just I worry about volatility, uh, but they have been doing great. And, you know, um, I mean, stocks, they've been doing great, but for a long time, right? And for how long can they continue on this trend? Yeah, so, so for 12 years, the stock market predominantly, with the exception of maybe two years where the market was down a little bit, uh, it's been a, a phenomenal ride and actually an historic ride that we typically don't see. And you know, normally that would not be a problem if the stock market's corporate earnings were keeping pace with the stock prices on the market, Tony, but we're seeing a complete deviation of that, especially over the last 12 months. And obviously uh, the pandemic has had a lot to do with that. Last year, the stock market was way up, even though it was down significantly in February and March of last year. But the stock market got, I would say a little bit, got ahead of itself for the price of stocks went way up compared to corporate earnings. So we're at one of the highest levels of P of the PE ratio when we look at the stock market, that it is at one of its highest points that it's ever been. And normally when we have a PE ratio of, let's say the S&P 500, which is our major US index that we look at, that's the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the United States. These companies are so large, they represent over 80% of the net worth of publicly traded companies in the United States. That when we see the number climb to 45 times over earnings, so the price per share, is 45 times greater than the earnings per share. And just two years ago, or excuse me, not two years ago, but January of 2020, the S&P 500 ratio was 25 to one. So 25 times over earnings, you could see a significant increase in the prices of these stocks compared to the corporate earnings. And this will be a problem eventually if this doesn't correct itself. And of course, with the, with the pandemic kind of subsiding, companies, individuals feeling a lot more uh, back in their routine. We should see it come down somewhat, but if it doesn't come down quite a bit, I think investors are gonna be disappointed. And so that's where we talk about uh, putting your eggs in the proper baskets ahead of time instead of reacting to what the market does. Yeah, well, there you go. And, and yeah, you don't wanna be reactionary. And I think that's uh, the trap a lot of us fall into. And that is one great reason to work with somebody like yourself, a financial services professional. And, you know, uh, maybe this is a good time. I mean, uh, to bring up the value of working with somebody like yourself. I, I mean, you can help people determine 
where those hard-earned dollars should be invested by putting the appropriate percentages in risk and in safety, keeping that balance based on that risk tolerance score, right? Right, Tony, and thank you for that. So corrections are a natural part of stock market investing. You know, some people feel that the goal of investing in stocks is to only invest when the market is climbing and to get out before the market crashes. And that seems easy enough, but we don't have that crystal ball, Tony. And studies have shown that people that go in and out of the market are generally going to make a lot of mistakes. And if they get lucky once, they got lucky once. And that's where it's really important to focus on what your overall risk tolerance is. So if you're a conservative investor after doing a risk tolerance quiz, you really should have have no more than 19% of your money in stocks or equivalent risk investments. And if you're a moderate conservative investor, no more than 39%. If you're a moderate risk investor, no more than 59% and so on and so forth. And staying within that framework, you're going to be more successful in the long run than the investor that gets jumpy and keeps going in and out of that market. Right. And people are, everybody wants uh, to to get the growth uh, on those uh, stock market returns, right? Yeah, we all want high stock market returns. We all have that, we all have that natural desire to grab it while it's hot and get out while yeah. it's not. You know, yeah. studies have shown, though, it's not effective. We can back test this and that the investor who's more steady, who puts their eggs in the proper set of investments, investments, we call it a bucket strategy, they're going to do a lot better in the long run. So with our risk tolerance quiz, which I give to my clients almost yearly, uh, and for people that come from seminars or people that are uh, inquiring about our services, we, we give them this quiz. We call it the color money risk analysis. It helps to determine what percentage of your money should be more at risk and what percentage should be more in safety. Sure. And can't they, uh, let me ask you, Jim, uh, can our listeners out there just go to our website and uh, do you have a link to that color of money risk assessment? I do. Thank you for mentioning that. So for people, you could go on to www.kramerinvestmentservices.com. Click on the Kramer Connect tab. And then the next screen, you'll see one option is the color of money risk analysis. And if you click that, you can do our quiz and it'll tell you what your overall score is. That score means the percent of money that you should have more at risk, generally stocks, real estate, or even riskier investments. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to do with the stock market. So uh, I think that makes perfect sense and there's no cost to that. And then what they can do is take that number, set up a a complimentary consultation with you, Jim, and find out what that really means. And then you can look at uh, their current status of, you know, their investments and their money or 401ks, IRAs, whatever they have, and let them know, hey, uh, where is that? Does that line up with your personal risk analysis? And I think that's great. And uh, I think, you know, uh, does that mean, though, that by putting some of your assets in safe investments, you'll end up not getting the same returns and the as the investor who's aggressive? Yes, absolutely. We know that the stock market climb is not going to continue. So by right. following your risk tolerance, even though with your safer money, you're not going to get as high a return. Uh, but you, the other money that you do have in the market, you can stay in for the long haul and not feel so anxious. So sticking to that proactive plan, being uh, rigid in that process and working with a good financial services professional, your odds of successfully navigating a very complex stock market, 
is greatly enhanced. Well, this is interesting, and I like talking about risk and balance because uh, we want to make sure that that money, especially that we've set aside for retirement, is going to be protected and is going to be there when we need it. What else do you have for us today? Well, there's a couple of topics I want to bring up simultaneously here. One is the sequence of return risk. And then secondly, which market index do you use to measure your investment performance by? So ah. the, the sequence of return risk is really more for investors once you're in the distribution phase of your retirement. So while you're in the accumulation phase, you're just growing your money. We follow what the average rate of return is. You know, one year you might be up 20%, another year you're up four, you might even have a couple of years of losses. But really what's important as far as measuring performance is what's that average rate of return. But once you're in that accumulation stage and you're starting to draw that money out, average rate of return is not important. What's important is the sequence of returns as that comes to you early on, especially in retirement. So let's say uh, you had two different investors, investor A, uh, and investor B. And over 20 years, they averaged the same rate of return. But earlier on, investor A suffered some heavy losses, whereas investor B suffered those same losses, but later on down the road. And that over that 20 year span, both of them, let's say hypothetically averaged 8%. But because of the sequence of returns earlier on in retirement, let's say that investor A retired in the year 2000 where the stock market had three straight years of debt of declines and that person was withdrawing that money out. Well, they're going to have a um, death spiral to their retirement money because they suffered those losses earlier on as they were taking that money out. So even if they got higher returns over wow. the next 17 years and they averaged the same rate of return as investor B who didn't suffer losses earlier on, but suffered those losses later on, investor B is way ahead. Whereas more than likely, investor A is out of money before 20 years are up. So a sequence of return risk is really important. And then when it gets to your risk tolerance, you know, where are you on the spectrum? Are you more conservative? Are you more aggressive? Use the appropriate benchmarks to assign, well, how well are you doing given, given that level of risk you're willing to take? So I see this often over the years, Tony, where there's conservative investors who are looking at the stock market or might talk to a friend and that friend is invested heavily in stocks. And so that friend might say, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm up 30% this year. Whereas that conservative investor says, huh, I'm not doing so good. I'm up only 6% without realizing that your investments that are conservative are never intended to keep up with a rising stock market. And so if your objective as a conservative investor is to get the returns of, of inflation or a little bit better, I would say using an inflation benchmark is your best uh, choice in this matter. The consumer price index is one that you can use. I like personally the personal consumption expenditure index known as the PCE. Now, I prefer it over the CPI because it covers a broader range of prices and picks up shifts in consumer behavior a lot better than the CPI does. It measures current and past expenditures and uh, consumers' tendencies to choose uh, lower-priced or alternative uh, options as opposed to more higher priced options. It does a lot more than the CPI does, and it gives you a better measurement of overall inflation. Uh, if you're invested heavily in the foreign markets, don't use the S&P 500. Use a foreign 
stock market indices. So if you're if you're investing heavily overseas or at least have a portion of your money invested overseas, the MSCI index is a global basket of stocks in Europe and Asia. Uh, if you're invested heavily in Europe, the Euro stocks, 50 is a good index to use. But make sure you're working with a good financial services professional to give you some perspective so that if certain uh, portions of your of your bucket strategy, so to speak, uh, is underperforming compared to other uh, buckets strategies that you have, including those that tend to be more at risk when things are going good, you know, don't lose sight of the purpose of that more cautious money. And especially you'll feel good when the markets are going down, knowing that you did make that proactive decision. Right. Yeah. And being proactive is key. So there, there you talked initially about sequence of returns and then a little bit more about uh, the market index to benchmark those returns, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. And obviously uh, stocks, real estate, they've all been doing great. Uh, but uh, we know we can't continue on this upward trend forever. I mean, real estate is starting to get crazy. Uh, yes, I mean, it is. Housing, you have to ask like 50000 above asking price to even get a get a home if you can find one for sale. <laughs> it's, so, just, it's just insane right now. Yeah. So what are some alternatives that investors can choose as a part of a proactive investment strategy then? Okay, so one thing that investors can always do is have a certain percentage of their money earmarked to the bond market, which you're not going to get great returns in bonds. In fact, over the not last... Not right now. No, you're not. You're, you're losing this year. And over the last 10 years, it's averaged about 3%, which can be frustrating for a lot of investors. But a lot of conservative money over this past decade has really underperformed stocks and real estate. Um, but at least that's a portion of your nest egg. And in last year, in February, in March when the stock market plummeted, bond prices went up and there was a lot more money going into the bond market. So there tends to be this inverse relationship between stocks and bonds. Another area where investors should consider, I think, more often is annuities. You know, one thing is we're living a lot longer these days. And one of the ways in which to counteract that, to make sure we have enough money to last us for the rest of our lives, is to use the income benefit features that most annuities offer. Annuities can offer a good income relative to the amount of money you invest. In fact, it's consistent. And if you sign up for the right type of an annuity, that money can last you for as long as you like, as long as you live, and also can be inflationary, meaning it can increase over time based on either the performance within the annuity or the consumer price index. They normally give you a couple of choices regarding that. Um, annuities are also safe. It could be government insured. So you're not gonna get rich within an annuity. Like the bond market is not intended to be a high performing type of investment. It's designed to be for the portion of your money that should be in a, a conservative strategy. Precious metals tends to be a good inflationary investment, although there's no rhyme or reason for that. <clears throat> You've got gold, silver, copper, and they all say that holding those assets over a long period of time tends to beat inflation. But I tell you, from 2012 to around 2017, the precious metals market was in a depression. 
And for the average American holding that type of asset being so speculative as it is, in fact, it's more risky than even stocks, uh, can be a poor choice. But if you hold a, you know, a small percentage of that in your portfolio, there's nothing wrong with that. And then yeah. current currency investing, uh, we did a podcast last week, you and me, Tony, on cryptocurrencies, and uh, we talked about how confusing they are. But we also, we also, I was confused. Yes, yes. and then, most of well, the show. Well, me too. Yeah. Me too. And then, uh, and then the forex market. You know, there's a lot of investors who try to look at the changes in the global markets with the currencies, especially the U.S. dollar and how it relates to the euro or the pound and so forth. And so there, there's a number of other investments besides that, but that helps to give investors a more well-rounded investment portfolio. And again, there's much more to cover beyond those investments. Well, sure. And what other defensive strategies or strategies are out there uh, that investors can, can do or should consider? Well, because there's no longer pension plans for the vast majority of retirees, unless you work for the government or at one point in time you worked for a big corporation that still sure. offers it, uh, it's just not a part of the plan. So Social Security, yeah. as you know, Tony, only covers about 40 percent of a retiree's uh, pre-retirement income that we need to have income sources and consistency because people are living longer. You know, back in um, 1990, the average lifespan for a retiree that was 65 years old was 10 to 15 years. And hitting wow. 80, hitting 80 back then, it was like today hitting 90. You know, according to the government's tables, one out of four retirees age 65 are gonna be hitting the age of 90. One out of 10 couples will both hit the age of 90. So more and more, uh, that could be as much as 25 years to focus on in your retirement plan. And we have to navigate through a very unpredictable stock market to help us. And that's where we talk about other income sources in retirement. Uh, a good stock market portfolio that investors should consider are dividend stocks. Now, dividend stocks are not the exciting growth stocks, that especially last year, growth stocks performed so well. but Dividend stocks are more consistent. They provide dividends, obviously. That's why they call them that. Um, and they're not <laughs> sure. going to be high-performing dividends. They might be in the 3% a year range, which helps offset if the price of those stocks decline. And if you hold enough of those A-rated type of stocks, the financially strong ones, over time, it smooths out the volatility in them. And over time, these dividends tend to rise and keep up with inflation. It can be a good uh, income source for retirees. Bond investing for years has always been known as a uh, income producing asset, although you can lose money in bonds. In fact, if the bond company, the issuer, uh, uh, bellies up, you can lose your investment. Income-based annuities are great um, income assets uh, in retirement. Growth stocks are not. And I know today a lot of people are holding these growth stocks and using them for income because the price of their stocks are rising so much. But also you can fall into that trap when we when those prices drop at the same time you're pulling that money out, you can get yourself into a, a real uh, trouble troubled situation. So that's not really what we advise. That's where really sitting down with a good financial services professional can be invaluable in helping you to choose income strategies that are consistent in the long run. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. So what other strategies are out there that a retiree should consider then? 
Well, there's many more items to consider. When people sit down with me, Tony, we have a thorough conversation in a number of areas. But one that comes to mind right off the bat is taxes. Tax planning is extremely important in retirement. And if your financial services professional is not having that discussion with you on a yearly basis, you're not getting the best advice. Uh, Your investments can affect your Social Security taxes as well as drive you into a higher tax bracket if you're not careful. And a good financial services professional will add that into the equation because it's more than just about investing your money. And we can help you to, you know, where do you withdraw that money from? And we can consider the tax effect. And sitting down with me, I can tell people what they should expect based on where they're withdrawing their assets, how would it affect their taxes year by year. And another thing is, and another thing to mention here is that if you own accounts outside of a qualified retirement account, the investment decisions of that financial services professional that makes that that person makes on your behalf can affect your taxes. So those decisions need to be discussed ahead of time because you could end up paying an awful lot at the wrong time. Yeah. Lastly, uh, this may be a great time to move some of your money your IRA or your 401k money into a Roth IRA because taxes may be going up with all the spending that's going on in Washington. So by being proactive, we can reduce your long-term tax liability for tax accounts like uh, IRAs and 401ks where all of that money is, is taxed when you withdraw that money out. The Roth IRA avoids all future taxes so long as when you first originally set up that account, you owned it for five years and have at least obtained the age of 55, 59 and a half. However, you're going to have to pay taxes in the year you transfer money from your IRA or 401k into the Roth. However, that tax that you pay is at the current tax brackets and not the potentially higher tax brackets that we may have in the future. So new generation retirement planning requires a financial services professional to be a fiduciary and assist their clients in more ways than just investing. Tax and income planning is a part of that process. And lastly, onto this topic, back in 2014, I wrote a book called Your Guide to Retirement Income. This book was written in part on how to protect your nest egg, and it discusses a lot of the topics that we're talking about today. The book is available for purchase on my website at www.kramerinvestmentservices.com, and it's also available on Amazon. The book retails for $13. Wow. I knew you wrote a book. I think that's great. And I encourage our listeners to pick up a copy and great topic today. We've covered a lot, but Jim, we're out of time. It just flew by as usual. Is there anything else you want to add before we have to go today? Well, if if callers have any questions from our topic today, or if they wish to schedule a meeting, feel free to call us in uh, Lake Geneva. Our number is 262-729-4128. In McHenry, our number is 815-331-8096. We're here to help. All right. Thanks, Jim. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Kramer Financial Talk with our host, Jim Kramer. Thank you for listening to Kramer Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jim Kramer at Kramer Investment Services. Call 262-729-4128 or visit them online at KramerFinancialTalk.com. 
Fee-based planning and investment advisory services are offered by Crayman Investment Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Wisconsin and Illinois. Insurance products and services are offered through Kramer Investment and Insurance Services, Inc. Kramer Investment Services, LLC, and Kramer Investment and Insurance Services, Inc. are affiliated companies. Jim Kramer and Kramer Investment Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.